0: Another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris?
1: Hello, Jody. I'm doing good. How
0: are you? I'm still alive, so I'm good. Good. That's bonus. Yes, right? it is. That's Every good. day you're getting up above sunshine and six feet of dirt, you're doing all right.
1: All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about today, sir? We are going to chat. About side-chaining.
0: Mm-hmm. What is side-chaining, then?
1: I think the easiest way to look at side-chaining is when we're using either a frequency mm-hmm. or another track mm-hmm. to trigger a compressor
0: on yet another track. So well, I would say words- that you could go a step further. It's not always just about compressors.
1: No. It's very common
0: the- with compressors, but it's not always with compressors. Where else would you use it if it's not on a compressor?
1: Uh, noise gate. That's true. That's still a sort of like the dynamic function, I think. You use your own. I don't of know trigger. of any
0: compressor that will actually turn the sound off when you trigger it, but sure. Well, uh,
1: I, I guess I'm being liberal <laughs> with my definitions here <laughs> yes, in that you it's are. you know, with dynamic processing, whether that's a gate or just a compressor. So mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's very true. We can use it with gates and that type of stuff as well. Yes, so. We can. But what do you think is the most common thing that when we're talking about side chaining? The most common. Yeah, the most common application. I'm going to go out I on the limb. What, okay. And I'm going to
0: say that usually it's done with a kick drum if I'm thinking EDM. I don't think you're out on the limb at all. I think that's exactly what people think
1: about when you use the kick to trigger a compressor on the bass
0: so that it actually ducks away a little bit as they're hitting. Or even so I think on that- another bus return where you've got a whole lot of the rest of the music going and the kick is just causing it to just <laughs> pulling the whole mix Yeah, out just by the yeah, kick. But the, the, that, ki- that's a whole other thing. So let's talk about this where I say, it's the kick that triggering a compressor to manipulate another instrument, that's one usage right there that comes to the top of my head. Let's ramble on about that.
1: Let's. The bass and the kick tend to live in the same frequency range, right? Mm -hmm. So the way I look at it is that if you want the kick to be really prominent and not have the bass clouded up a little bit or muddied up, the bass is sustaining more than it has just a transient on the kick. So to make the transient of the kick be more prominent than the bass you have it trigger the side chain on the compressor so that it quickly turns down the volume, if you will, on the bass guitar. Because it's such a transient instrument, it won't be necessarily noticeable, as long as you set it upright. that the
0: bass is actually lowered for that fraction of a second. Sure. Let's take it a step further than just the bass guitar. It could be bass sense or any bass line for that matter.
1: Yeah, any bass-heavy frequency instrument, right? Mm-hmm. Why would we want to do that? Well, again, just to make that kick really, really prominent in the mix. You mentioned EDM or any kind of like dance music. Yeah. Very <clears> throat> prominent throat> throat> there, right, <clears throat> where you <throat> want that yep. just really kick in the chest, right? That's the most common thing, but I don't think it's necessarily – I think you do yourself a disservice by thinking about that's the only application,
0: right? Right. Well, let's actually describe how this actually gets done. Sure. You've got your kick track. Yep. You've got your bass track or tracks if there's more than one. You throw your compressor plugin that has the ability to do side-chaining. And this is in DAW format. If you want to do this in analog world, it gets a bit more complicated. However, that being said, you put your compressor plug on your bass track and then most compressors, or at least most DAWs, that allow for side-chaining, because there is one that still doesn't do it. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me, what did I just say? You set the side-chain input to the kick track, which will then trigger the compressor. And depending on the compressor settings that you give it, it will cause the compressor to either elevate the value of the bass or remove. The value of the bass, as you were saying, volumely speaking, for the amount of time that the kick is there and triggering that compressor.
1: Right. When I say having your settings correct, the important parameter to play with there on that compressor, I think, is the release time. hmm so if you have too long of a release, it might duck that bass for too long and making it too prominent. Now, an effect that a lot of the the EDM and the dance guys used to do that they would set that to a rhythmic value of the song. Right. Yep. So if you wanted that a little bit more of a pumping kind of effect, you'd have to play with that. We've already talked about how to set, either you do it by ear, but how to set like millisecond values to rhythmic values. As well. Right. So, in a
0: very yeah. different episode. So, go look at it, <laughs> it. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Not every compressor is able to do side chaining as well. This is so true. So, it, it's one of those things that you have to make sure that the compressor that you're using, I would venture to say that unless you're using Luna, the standard compressors that come with your DAW are, in most cases, able to do that. Sure. So, That's an important thing. And, of course, with these compressors, we don't necessarily have to worry about if this is an analog emulation of anything. We just want that to be a quick ducking of the signal. So your standard DAW compressor will do the
0: job just fine. You don't necessarily need to worry about any kind of coloration of that. Well, you could, but why would you? Because you're already trying to do something that isn't natural anyway. Right. Right. (laughs) So it's not,
1: oh, I I wish I could do this. I could do this. But in this usage that we're talking about here, that's not necessarily, at least not in my opinion.
0: Essentially, it's meant for this, as we're describing this first example, to sculpt the bass out of the way so that the kick gets a very prominent value at its time of use. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
1: What's another use here, sir? The one that I probably use more than any other form of, of side chaining is on delay returns. Uh-huh. So let's say, for example, I have a lead vocal or a melodic line, like a guitar line or something that I want a heavy echo on, a heavy delay. If that is constant as you're playing or singing, it can just get a wash. It just kind of tramples over itself. So I would often. Use the lead vocal in this case, I'll use that case, as a sidechain input on the compressor on the return of the delay. Uh So now what then would happen, as the singer is singing, it ducks the delay out of the way a little bit to the value that I choose. And then when the line is done, the delay and the echo raises up to the high level that I want. The so th- that's can Yeah, volume level, yeah. And um, you go, well, why don't you just automate that? Well, yeah, you could. But this is, to me, a little bit more of a natural way of doing it because then it's you don't have to worry about so many little vocal or f- so many automation rides on the delay. So that's probably the most common way that I use it. Uh-huh. What about you?
0: What do you do? I have done this, as you've described, with lead vocals. Mm -hmm. where you've got a delay line of some sort that's supposed to tuck in behind the lead and you don't want your lead to be like suddenly engulfed in the delay. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And in order to get that lead vocal out of the way, use a little side chain on the delay bus and duck it out when the lead vocal is actually singing and then it comes up when it's not. That's a good way to do it. And I've done that. I've done the same thing for lead guitar lines and solos and stuff. Like if the guitar is playing a solo, And the delay is becoming too obnoxious for the rest of the solo, even though it adds a nice ambiance to the rest of the track. While the guitar is actually playing the notes, I don't necessarily want it to be stuck all over with the delays coming back at it. So I will use a side chain compression to pull that out of the way a little bit. That's another way to do it. Yeah. Same idea, though, where you've got a delay on a bus return and you put a compressor after the delay and you set the input of that delay to the item that you're trying to duck it from.
1: Right. I've actually done a similar thing with backing vocals as well. Mm -hmm. I was recently working on a track where there was a lot of dense, dense vocals going on at the same time as the lead vocal. So it it was a very, very heavy vocal track. And to make sure that they weren't fighting too much, I used the same technique on the, the
0: backing vocals. So uh, you ran them all right. to a bus, you stuck yeah. a compressor on that bus, and then you did the side chain input to the lead vocal is what you're saying? Correct. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you just blew some minds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. I mean, it's it just, I can't pat myself on the back because I didn't invent all this kind of stuff, but it was a way to just make room for the lead vocal a little bit more. And it's not, it's not a massive ducking that's happening there. Right. but just a couple of DB will allow the you know the lead vocal to be as prominent as I wanted to without while still having the background vocals there because they were also an integral part of it
0: gotcha but, well I've got a question for you when you yeah. first learned the idea of side chaining did you suddenly mm-hmm. start doing it all the time
1: I'd like to say yes or no but to be honest I don't remember <laughs> 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 I I Probably like everything else is I tried it everywhere, Sure, right? And it's course. like, oh, this is the coolest thing since sliced bread, right? I got to do it everywhere. No, I don't, I don't do it a lot outside of the sort of cases that, that I just described. It's not something that I do on every mix even. Mm-hmm. So it was not one of those things that was done in abundance that I can recall. What about you? Is that something that kind of hit you like a ton of bricks and this is what it's all about type of thing?
0: No. And even now I'm thinking of a recent mix that, man, maybe I should have thought about adding some sidechain to it, but I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well. And with that, we're going to take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. And I'm going to dive in a little bit here on a slightly different use of how to sidechain something using a noise gate. It's not always just a kick or a compressor i just pulled out a demo of a song for an artist and i'm going to retool this demo as they look to be probably recording this song and in the middle of it is a special effect that was done using a pure sign synth uh-huh. and I ended up having to do something rather complicated, even in a DAW situation for this to actually work, because it's setting up a noise gate to open and close a sound that happens in a rhythmic fashion. And this is where I think that concept of something you just mentioned at the top of the podcast, where it's like it can improve your timing. Well, technically speaking, in a way it could if you set it up to a rhythmic value of what you're doing. And I'm using this sine wave synth that is very specifically on the grid plus very specific lengths for each time it's hit. But then it has to be passed to another bus. And then that bus has to have the signal of the sound effect going to it with the compressor triggering back off yet another bus where the output of the synth is set to nil, otherwise. It wouldn't be able to do it when you pull the channel strip down on its own track of the synth because then the <laughs> yeah. synth is not there and it won't trigger the compressor. So it was a required two buses plus an extra synth in order to make this effect work. And I hadn't thought about it in a few years since I originally did it. And I thought, wow, maybe I should try this effect a few more times. And essentially, it's very cool. In fact, the way I did it, I just forgot that I had done it. And that's why I brought up the fact that it's like, it's not just compressors. You can do this with noise gates and maybe a few other things as well if they allow for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What you're describing there sounds a little bit of what tended to happen, I think, with a lot of the original hip hop and rap guys, Mm. where they would have that gating thing happen to a sine wave to open up when the kick was hitting as well to get that little extra weight on it. So you have that really, really low subby kind of sine wave just Mm -hmm. to add more weight to the kick. So that's creative use. I'm also reminded of, and this was one of those experimental things that I was doing at the time. And I think I was really into a lot of dance music at the time. Again, there was a gate essentially where I would have all of these MIDI triggers routed to a synth again like it could be a synth pad or something, and then having it close and open in all these different rhythmic values. So you're essentially creating a, a very specific gate pattern. Now today we have so many like step sequences and stuff and we can just do this automatically, but it was a cool thing to kind of experiment with in your DAW at that point, where again, you much like you were just describing that what you were doing with that, that demo track. Mm-hmm. We can get creative with this kind of stuff as well. However, I will still hold firm to my belief that this has very little to do with your timing as a track. And I think (laughs) you're much better off uh, redoing the track if that's the issue. Don't count on side-chaining to be able to fix your sloppy timing. There are some creative uses there that we can use outside of just kind of ducking something out of the way We can with gates. Mm -hmm. But I think overall with side chaining, I'm thinking of it has to do with compression in some form or dynamics in some form. Anyway. Sure. One thing that it's also important to remember is that when we're using this method with side chaining, some compressors do it internally as well. And this is something that I know for me was a bit confusing because I was initially always thinking about it has to be like an external source. Sure. That triggers the side chain, but that's not true. Some compressors have EQ built into them basically for the detection. Logic's stock compressor does this actually remarkably well, where you can have the detection trigger the compression. So you can set that to a certain frequency. Uh Let's say, for example, that you have a kick that's triggering the compressor a little bit too aggressively. Sure. You can then roll off some of the low end in the side chain. So that will be out of the detection of the compressor. So it would kick in a little bit later. Man, there was a lot of kick in there. But <laughs> you it, like it your would kicks, tr- don't you? Kicks and triggers. I got to get my vocabulary correct here. But so that you can control that, how aggressively that's going to be affected. Uh-huh. And if your
0: compressor doesn't technically have this, you can still do this using a sidechain type effect where you'd run your sonic material to a bus that has an EQ on it. And you can set the EQ to whatever set of bands you want. And then you'd mute that signal out at the end of it. But then you could use that bus as the trigger for the compressor, which would allow you to do some really odd things when it comes to triggering compression And one thing that might come up is like, yeah, if you're working on a drum loop and the snare is too loud, you could actually have the compressor compress itself using just the middle frequencies where the snare is at by the side chain value. And then it would Mm -hmm. tame that down. That's a little extravagant, but it can happen.
1: Yeah. And each compressor that has this sort of functionality works a little bit different. So these are probably going to be very much like blanket statements of, this is how you do this so it will differ a little bit for example let's take logic's compressor and use the drum loop example that you have there mm-hmm. if you have just a stereo drum loop but you feel that all oh, the clap or the snare is too prominent what you can do is dial in the sidechain eq in logic on the compressor to find that frequency and then have that trigger where it will actually ignore everything else it's a very very handy technique if you're handed just a stereo drum track and it's paints you in the corner a little bit, so to speak. You can
0: still tweak some things right there. Well, it's sort of like um, having a handy dandy multi-band compressor that only uses one band in one narrow set of frequencies.
1: We're going outside a little bit of what just a side chaining, but there's many different ways to get a very similar result. Uh-huh. So for example, what you started mentioning like like multiband compressors and things, right? We can also almost get into the gray area of dynamic EQ and that kind of thing as well. Uh-huh. Right. So a lot of muddy waters here. It can be used to fix things and it can also be used in a very creative way, I would say. Yes. What are some so, of the
0: other you've mentioned Logic's compressor multiple yeah. times here. What are some of the other compressors that you feel are rather rich in the ability to do this? Well, I think it's
1: it's one of those things that there's probably fewer compressors out there that can do this internal EQ sidechain type of thing than most type of compressors. Uh-huh. Right? I know that the Sonics compressor does it, uh-huh. the Sony Oxford thing. One that was really interesting, I think, is 1176 clone on steroids by Pulsar Audio.
0: But that's not not a clone as in like a hardware unit. You're talking about a clone as in a plugin.
1: I should probably use the word emulation. There you go. Yeah. As in 1176, it's called the 1178 because guess what? It's more. (laughs) So 1178, and that actually has the EQ sidechain built in. If that's Something that you feel like you want in your 1176, that's cool. Then you can do that. Most 1176 style compressors don't have that, especially if they are emulations of the original hardware. The Purple Audio 1176, but it's called the MC77, because again, it's more, right? (laughs) But uh, that one has also a bit of a, a side chain that I think, and I could be wrong, but I think it's primarily rolling off low end in the detection. Uh That would work great on that base-heavy material, of course. Those are the ones that I think of initially. I'm sure there are more, but if I have to use this technique, I would reach for the
0: logic one because it works really well.
1: Do you have any others that you can think on top of your head
0: or... Well, I know that there is the ability to use sidechain compression with several of the UA ones in Logic, but that's because it's Logic specific. It's you can't do it in Luna, unfortunately. Yeah. So in Luna, it requires something else. Although I th- believe they are working on it. Hopefully, it will be fingers coming crossed. Soon. Yeah, coming soon because I know people are actually clamoring for that, wanting that as a function of Luna. So how often do Fab you... FabFilter is I, another one that actually comes to mind that you can do that stuff with. Yeah. I'm makes, sure there's they a make lot some of... some great stuff. You know what else? Isotope. <laughs> you got the compressors that come within the Ozone bundle or just even their EQ stuff. It has side-chaining capability along with their compressors and such. And they have mm-hmm. the dynamic EQ, which you can set, which is kind of like an on-the-fly side chain ability within an eq of itself and even tide has side chain ability within certain DAWs that allow it so there's a lot that are out there (laughs) yeah yeah there are
1: it's something that the slate universe or when i say that i mean the the users have been sort of clamoring for the the functionality within the virtual mix rack Mm -hmm. which at this point at the time of recording this podcast it is not existent so, so it's, it's not
0: existent within itself but does it work within a daw like let's just say you take a single slate compressor and stick it on a channel strip does it still not come up with a side chain thing i don't think so well that sucks no.
1: well it's just like yeah. lunar though it's like <laughs> get it get yeah. it done make it happen yeah but i mean for, for me it's like it's something that so unlikely to happen for me, for my workflow. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that, I'm sure there's a ton of guys out there that rely on it on every production they do. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's such a niche thing where I don't need, and I certainly don't need all the color compressors to to do it. No, of course not. And
0: that's why I think it was mentioned earlier in the podcast. It's like, it's not usually your emulation type compressors that would be doing this kind of thing. right? And I know that but, you can't pull up the line six noise gate from Podfarm mm-hmm. and set a side chain for it. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not how they work that. Right. You're not really sidechaining a lot of effects in guitars, are you? Hmm.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's another podcast. It <laughs> might be. Then you just come up
0: with another thing to talk about.
1: Yeah. I was just reminded that when we're talking about analog emulation, and it strikes me that it just occurs to me that the LA2A actually does have it of sorts. Yeah, it's it has the detection. A frequency got the detection. It's a roll-off. Right.
0: Yes, that's that's a different thing though. Uh, it's along the lines of being able to just say, "This is where I'd like to kick it in. Let's take some of the bass out," kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, from the detection circuit. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a high pass filter that you can set that would allow for. The yeah. LA2A to suddenly say, "Okay, I'm ignoring everything below this particular frequency, and then once it hits this frequency, I'll start reacting." Yeah, and I believe that actually goes all the way
1: up to 1K.
0: Yeah, it sounds it's about right. Fully
1: rolled, something like there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So side chaining it can be a little bit of a gray area. Well, there's nothing gray think...
0: about it. It's just maybe somebody doesn't know that it's a technique that can be used to help solve an issue.
1: Well, I'm thinking or create in gray a area. colorful palette of something new. I'll go along with that. Okay. But my way of, of a gray area was like we're talking about multiband compressors right. and dynamic EQs and things like that. That's where the confusion might start. Gotcha. But it's important to think before somebody goes, you know, we're talking about essentially ducking here. That's not sidechaining, that's ducking. We're using side chaining to accomplish the task. Of course. So that that's what's important. All right.
0: and with but, that, we're yeah. going to move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got today?
1: I am actually especially excited today, uh-oh, because Spitfire Audio have announced a new instrument called Mercury. Mm. And Mercury, is, if you don't use it right, it is, <laughs> it is. A instrument that is based on a lot of physical instruments built by this guy called Chaz Smith. And if you haven't heard of Chaz Smith, you would be fully excused, but he builds a lot of esoteric sound design type of instruments. And one of my favorite guys, composers ever, Charlie Clouser, uses a bunch of his stuff. For his scores with Saw and Hans Zimmer uses his stuff as well. And they now have this in virtual instrument form Mm. for a lot of really cool, spooky kind of stuff. So I was very excited when I realized that. So, of course, that's my Friday find this week. It's Mercury by Spitfire Audio.
0: Rock on. And you, what have you got for us? I came across an interview with Eric Valentine. And he was asked very specifically about how the drums were recorded by Dave Grohl for No One Knows, for Queens of the Stone Age. And of course, a lot of people would probably speculate that no one knows how they were recorded. But that's not true. Eric Valentine being the (laughs) mix and recording engineer on that, he was there for the recording value of how Dave Grohl actually did that and what they ended up doing. The long and short of it is they recorded it in multiple passes for very specific reasons. And if you want to know what those reasons are, go check out the interview with Eric Valentine about Queens of the Stone Age and Dave Grohl on drums at musicradar.com.
1: Very cool. Yeah. You told me
0: about it. We've actually touched on that type of recording before. This is very interesting. It is. It is. It is. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so, we'll get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at InsideTheRecordingStudio.com with the words side chain. And you'll get something cool back in your inbox. If you have a topic or suggestion for Chris and I to explain in a future episode, contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode. With that, I'll say, see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you later, Jody.